and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty and Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Memphis, at DFF Memphis, and this is episode 79 of the Dynasty War Zone, entitled Fortnite, Dogs in a Fight, and the AFC North Preview. So, got a really good show for you tonight, have a really good guest, and I'm going to do a bonus show again later in the week about best ball. But before I get into all that, I'm going to hit uh, hit my sponsors, uh, gtbets.eu. Are you looking to get some action in on today's games? Uh, World Cup starting to slowly wrap up. We're in the middle of Major League Baseball. You missed your chance to bet LeBron going to L.A. and things like that. But if you're into those sort of things, you may want to head over to gtbets.eu. The bottom line, gtbets.eu will have you placing your first wager within minutes with their simple-to-use registration process. So head over now and earn up to a $500 in free money, dollar-for-dollar promo when you enter in the code WARZONE. Now, Webster has WARZONE as two words, but for the sake of this promo, it's one word. So find the promo code in the upper right-hand corner. There's a little box there. You type in the word WARZONE. We're going to pretend it's one word for the sake of this promo. And they will match your initial deposit up to 500 bucks. So if you deposit 500 they match it with an additional 500 You now have a dime to get busy with there on gtbets.eu. So head over there today, promo code WARZONE, and check them out. So tonight's guest, I am very happy to have on. He is one of the up-and-coming young minds in all of fantasy football, regardless of type you play. He is the rankings administrator for the Dynasty Football Factory, hashtag DFF Army. He does the DLF's ADP visuals. He is the creator of one of my favorite, as a stats nerd, one of my favorite statistics websites, and that is ffstatistics.com. And he is also an A.J. Green truther extraordinaire. He is Addison Hayes, at Hayes underscore on Twitter. Addison, welcome to the show. Hey, what's, what's going on? Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm, you, know you and I, we have a, a good history together for the past year or so, however long it's been. And, uh, you know, I just, I just really appreciate you bringing me uh, on your new podcast here. Uh, we've already been in, you know, the Goat League together, Goat Podcasts, and now we're, we're on the big stage, I think, right here with, uh, with the War Zone. So I'm, I'm really happy that uh, you asked me to come on. I'm excited to talk Fortnite and the AFC North and to get in some of these running backs. Yeah, there's, there's going to be some, some interesting topics, but I want you to take a minute and tell the Dynasty War Zone listeners about ffstatistics.com because one thing I've always brought to this show since the day I joined MJ and John last fall was statistics. I love looking over things like that, and I will be honest in saying that ffstatistics has replaced fantasydata.com as my go-to when I'm you know looking this stuff over. Uh-huh. Tell the listeners a little bit about what you got going on over there, how it can help their game going into this 2018 season. Yeah, so... Uh- it's it's an amazing site. I I mean, as the creator of it, I think it's an amazing site. <laughs> and uh, but it's got it's got a lot of data. So it's got you know weekly game logs for players all the way back to 2010. It's got consistency data, yearly data. I got redraft ADP and can, comparing that to every player's ranks. 
Um, some new stuff that I've been adding recently, I've added coaching history and quarterback history, looking at how the players under them do um, every single year, uh, you know, different positions and stuff like that. I've added rookie prospect data and some play-by-play data looking at some uh, patterns of, you know, for targets and uh, pass attempts and, and rush attempts and stuff like that. And then the, the massive database that's on there as well for every player back to 2000. Um, so it's, it's a really expansive, and uh, John Hogue has called it the Fantasy Google uh, website uh, because it has so much, and I will continue to add to it um, as needed. And so I, I've got some big things in the works. I'll be honest, I've got some big things in the works, I believe, um, that, that could be here in the very near future within, within this next week. Um, so, you know, if you follow me on Twitter at AmazeHaze underscore, uh, you'll be able to follow along with what I have going on planned. And uh, when that news drops, you, uh, you'll be one of the first guys to know. Well, I appreciate that. And just for the listener, I want to make sure that everybody's on board. So go ahead and put that in your Google search history. That's ffstatistics.com. A couple of things that, that you mentioned that I love about it is the coaching history. Uh, the, the heat maps that you're starting to put together for the quarterback tendencies, it was really eye-opening. The, one that you, the two that you shared with me were Mitch Trubisky and Jared Goff, and I, I find that to be fascinating. And one last thing that I haven't mentioned about Addy is that if you go to his website – for one mere dollar, for all you Scott Fishbowl players out there, you can get what I'm considering a fantastic cheat sheet for the Scott Fishbowl 8. And if you're just curious, if you're just an onlooker and you want to see what the spreadsheet looks like, again, it's just a dollar. And Addison's donating every dollar that he raises back to fantasycares.net. So I think that is... That is really cool and stupendous. So, Addy, we're just going to do a little bit of news. Not a whole lot going on since I've recorded last. I did two shows last week, and I'm going to do two again this week. So, uh, one that I wanted to bring up with you, because I know you're a... I don't want to say you're quite the truther of Aaron Jones yet, but I do know you're a fan. (laughs) Uh, According to Roto World, he has bulked up a little bit. Uh, I actually traded Aaron Jones to you in, in, in the league that we share together. Are you excited about this news? Yeah, that trade was your mistake uh, because I, I called Aaron Jones the uh, the David Johnson of the 2017 NFL draft, uh, you know, last spring, uh, back in like February or March it was, before everybody even really knew who he was before he was drafted by the Packers in the fifth round. So I'm, I'm very excited, and you and I were talking a little bit before this, and you said that you're not sure if it's a good thing for a small back to get bigger, but it's a, it's a better thing for a bigger back to get smaller. Um, so it, it's an, it's interesting uh, when people look at it that way, um, but I think it's it's more of a preparation for a potentially larger role that I think some people in the fantasy industry do expect Aaron Jones to take on, uh, even with Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery there. And I do believe that he is the best running back in that backfield and has the uh, the best talent, the, the most talent to take on a full three down role three down role that I think uh, McCarthy wants to see there in his offense like what Eddie Lacy was back in 2014 and everything like that. Um, so I, I do like this. I am excited for Aaron Jones um, to be a little bit bigger, to be able to take a larger workload, uh, especially in the, the run game, and then take on uh, more of a workload in the passing game that I know he's capable of that he showed when, at UTEP, um, even though Jamal Williams saw a larger target share than Aaron Jones last year in the Packers offense. So I, I'm very excited for the future of Aaron Jones. Uh, I, I think I am very high on him uh, overall, and so 
uh, you know, I, th- I think the future is bright. I, I was I I do like Aaron Jones as well, and uh, going back to last year, Greg Cosell, who's one of my personal favorites because he does not break these guys down based on what they can do from a fantasy perspective. He breaks them down from what he sees on tape. And the name that stuck out to me when he was talking about Aaron Jones is he compared him to Matt Forte. And, I mean, Matt Forte, not only is he a borderline NFL Hall of Famer, he's definitely a fantasy football Hall of Famer. So I'll keep an eye on this. I can always hang my hat on I drafted him, and then I can always be reminded (laughs) by you that I I sold him too cheap. Uh, The next guy that I want to talk about is Deshaun Watson, and he said that he is not changing his playing style, that even though he is now, I believe, on his second ACL reconstruction, that he's still going to be the same quarterback that he was. Uh, do you, A, believe that, and do you think he has to continue to play that way to benefit DeAndre Hopkins? I, I do I do believe it because, um, you know, for a player like that, and we saw it with Cam Newton uh, last year where the coaches say, you know, we want to back him off. We don't want him to take as many shots. Uh, we don't want him to run as much, uh, everything like that. Um, you know, they can only – tell a, a player to do so much and and they're not the ones out there with the football pads on uh actually in the plays so watson um as as capable as he is to lead the texans offense and uh everything like that i do believe that he will uh maintain the play style that he had last year and went while he was at clemson and everything like that so um i think it i think it is actually good uh especially for deandre hopkins um, I have mentioned before on Twitter that I don't believe that we should be valuing DeAndre Hopkins much higher um, just because of the Deshaun Watson effect. Um, if you look at Rotoviz, um, their um, their play splits, you you see that DeAndre Hopkins really didn't fall off at all when he lost Deshaun Watson. Um, his touchdowns dropped a little bit, but that was replaced by receptions and yards. Um, so the fantasy output was still there. So the price increase because uh, because of Deshaun Watson coming back, I don't think is as warranted, but it certainly helps Deshaun Watson out in fantasy. Uh, it, it helps DeAndre Hopkins out in fantasy, and I think it is good for a quarterback, especially for a mobile quarterback like him, to regain that confidence to want to be able to run, escape the pocket, make some big plays. I think that's uh, huge for a player uh, like Deshaun Watson, especially for a player in his second year uh, with a lot of hype already behind him. So. I do believe that he will return to the play style that he was, and I, I do believe that that is a good thing for both him and DeAndre Hopkins. I agree. And one thing about guys coming back from ACLs, and we can even look just as recently as last year with one of your personal favorites, mine too, Keenan Allen. He got off to a bit of a slow start, and he was having an okay year. I think he was like wide receiver 15-ish. And then all of a sudden it was like a switch flipped. And all of a sudden, he just took off like a shot. So if he comes back and he's maybe playing a little bit below what people expected, it might be a good buy low time because, I mean, they got to get used to game speed again and, and live reps, if you will. So I'm with Addy. I like Deshaun Watson as well. And then the last little bit of news is Jordan Reed. Uh, it's been reported that this could be a make or break year for him, which does not surprise me based on what he's getting paid versus what he's been able to produce but I'm still hanging on to Jordan Reed just because the tight end position as a whole is a dumpster fire I like what I think Alex Smith can do with the tight end position we've seen the last few years with Travis Kelsey 
And when Jordan Reed's out there, and even mostly healthy, he's a difference maker at the position. So I've got him stashed on a couple of rosters out there. Addy, where are you at with Jordan Reed? You selling? You, you holding a share or two? Uh, I actually I don't own any shares of Jordan Reed uh, currently. I I would like to own at least one because, like you said, you know when he is playing, he is a top three tight end. I don't I think if he played sixteen, it's you know almost guaranteed that he would be a top three tight end up there right next to Gronk and Kelsey as well. And then, like you said, with Alex Smith coming in, who really favors the tight end position with Kelsey, and then back when he was in San Francisco with Vernon Davis, um, I think I think Jordan Reed is the difference-making player on a roster, much like Tyler Eifert uh, in that sense, who is very, very cheap, that is very much worth the risk of him getting hurt again, which is very probable in 2018. Um, but, you know, when he, when he plays, he's going to be an elite tight end, and his price right now is at a very comfortable and risk-averse uh, place right now where you are able to grab him and the upside is absolutely tremendous that if he, if he plays 10 games that you're the price that you paid for him is negligible and you might win a fantasy championship uh, if he does that so I do I do like Jordan Reed I don't own him um, I would like to put out some feelers out there because I know that there's a lot of people especially in the dynasty community who are, who are completely done with Jordan Reed and uh, if, if one of those players is in your league and has him it might be worth you know, maybe trying to send a, a third or, you know, maybe a, a fourth and an extra piece or something like that to try and get Jordan Reed just to stash on your bench and just see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that's the, that's the right call. If people are that over him and you can get him dirt cheap, why wouldn't you? So uh, I'm with Addy. And, and from an age standpoint, he's going to turn 29 in July. He's still – I mean, Jason Witten and Antonio Gates played well until their 50s. So, I mean, he's got lots of good years left if he can just stay injury-free. So, all right, we're going to move on, and we're going to move on to something not football-related. So, something that I've been doing, and by the way, I've gotten very good feedback, so thank you to those of you that have reached out uh, via, you know, review of the show or dm in some cases or message on twitter i appreciate the fact that you like the non-football segment so addy my buddy addy here's a bit of a gamer <laughs> and there's probably not a hotter game out there right now than Fortnite. is that a, is that a fair statement addy very fair there's a lot of uh there's a lot of competition uh coming up in the dwellings of the gaming community but nothing's going to overtake Fortnite for uh a little while. Yeah, at least for the near future. And my, I have a son named Vinny, who's 10. And he plays he, the same game. He, he, <laughs> he, he is big into this game, and I told him I was having you on tonight and that you were that you played Fortnite. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. He knows that Juju Smith-Schuster plays the game. So I don't know anything about the game. For me, I play Madden. Uh, I'll play Call of Duty. Way back in the day, I used to play a, a game called Hitman. Silent Assassin. I, I kind of dug that for a while. But I, I watch him play Fortnite, and I just – my mind and hands don't operate that fast together. I mean, he's building stuff. So he came up with a list of five questions that he wanted me to ask you. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> First question, do you prefer the pump or the tactical shotgun? This is actually an interesting question because if you're not familiar with the game, um, Fortnite – and Epic Games, the the producers of, of Fortnite, 
really like to, to come out with different patches and uh, buffs and nerfs uh, for different guns. And their most recent patch uh, extremely nerfed the all shotguns, not not just one shotgun in particular. The pump shotgun has been a big problem uh, in the game, being too overpowered, uh, being utilized in ways that are very overpowered. Um, so with actually with the uh, the recent update, I will not pick up a pump shotgun whatsoever. I will use any tactical shotgun. I'll use the the common one over a a rare. Uh, blue pump shotgun um, just because the fire rate is there and uh, if you don't hit your shot with a pump shotgun you're probably going to wind up losing uh, that 1v1 that you are in with the the other player regardless of what gun that he has too um, so if, honestly if you want a shotgun i think the heavy shotgun's where it's at um, all right and this next one you're gonna have to work with me because this is terminology i'm i'm new to all right what did you think about the rocket launch the rocket launch, as in like the the actual gun itself. I'm assuming. I, I, I don't know what a rocket launch is. Maybe the rocket launcher. I don't know. Like like a like a RPG, a rocket prepared. I, I don't know. Right, right, yeah. So there is an RPG in the game, and I have a, an immense hatred for it um, when it is used against you because it is insanely overpowered. Because the splash damage is so, like its radius is absolutely insane. You could shoot the RPG at someone's feet. And they will, uh, you know, die immediately. Or you could shoot it five feet behind them, and they will still die. So I think the the, the utilization of the RPG is uh, com- is not how the game makers intended it to be, and it should either be nerfed or they should take it out of the game or find some way to make it utilized for more of a, a base destruction than a close combat weapon. That's just my opinion. All right, and, and apparently he's big into the weaponry in this game. Uh, do you think the new drum gun, and I do know what a drum gun is. Think of like 1920s, 30s gangsters, Tommy gun right. with the round uh, magazine of ammunition on it. Right. So do you think the new drum gun will be good? Um, that, that's hard to say because it's it's another, um, like it's like how the light machine gun is that they put in. So it's hard to say with the drum gun. It might be you know, really good for close combat. Uh, but it's going to be absolutely insane. Like if you're trying to shoot someone at even a medium range, um, it'll probably just be utilized for base destruction, like the minigun is right now. Um, I'll probably wind up picking it up a couple times on day one when it's released, and then just be like, "Yeah, I don't really feel the need to ever pick up this gun again." So that's that's how I feel about that. All right, and then he wants to know, what is your favorite LTM? And he put in parentheses, limited time only. I'm assuming this is like... Limited game modes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Snipers. It's it's hands down. As soon as you said, what is your favorite LTM, it's sniper shootout. Because I am... I like to think of myself as a very good sniper. Whenever I play with my friends and they find a sniper, they're like... The first person they ask is, Addy, do you have a sniper? And (laughs) if I don't, they'll give it to me. If If I do, then they'll just keep it. So Snipers is my favorite uh, LTM. So you're the Chris Kyle of Fortnite is what you're telling me. I mean, I like to think that I am. Uh, I, I have uh, Fortnite videos on on my personal YouTube and then on Twitter as well. You can find a few Sniper highlight videos on there. So Nice. It, it's, it's just really fun to do. You, whenever you hit someone, whenever there's a headshot, it's a different sound than when you hit them in the body. It's like a, like a cash register, like cha-ching sound. 
Oh, it's like a it's like a swish on a chain net on a, on a basketball hoop. Is basically what it sounds like. That's a very very nice description you made there. <laughs> so, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bundle these last three questions into one question, and you can put them all out there. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know how long have you been playing? What platform do you play on? And if you want to, would you like to share your gamer tag with the Dynasty Warzone listeners? <laughs> yeah, so I play on PS4. Um, it's just a maze haze, so it's the same as my Twitter username, just without the underscore. And uh, I've been playing since October. I started on the Xbox, and then all my friends had a PlayStation, so I traded my Xbox in for a PlayStation and uh, got that. So I've been playing... Uh, for much longer than the game has been as immensely popular as it is now. So I've seen a lot of guns in and out of the game. I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of changes. Christmas Fortnite was really fun to play. Um, I don't know if your, your son played when it was all snowy and everything like that. Um, Halloween Fortnite was fun as well. Uh, so I've, I've been playing for a very, very long time. <laughs> uh, he actually got his Xbox for Christmas, and I think he's been playing since around January or so so that that is our non-football discussion of the evening so before we get into and, and thank you for that because uh and guys if you have things you want me and my, and my guests to talk about other than football fired out there i can tell you that we have some ipa beer talk coming up in the near future as well as some other interesting topics so uh stick around for that thank you for the five minutes addy is a fortnight aficionado so if you're looking for someone out there uh, look him up so the next thing that we want to talk about real quick and this this happened organically over the weekend we uh, had some guys on twitter they were talking about comparing jarek mckinnon to devonta freeman and from a physical standpoint they're the same guy they're, they're they're the same they're about the same height they're about the same weight mckinnon's probably a better athlete but the the, the difference for me is that I don't think McKinnon has that dog in him. And I don't mean dog as in like Snoop Dogg or like your pet dog, like D-O-G or D-O-double-G. I'm talking about dog, like D-A-W-G, that kind of dog, an alpha dog. Um, The best way to describe the kind of player I'm talking about is that if you told this football player that the game's playing on Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, there's no bright lights, there's no camera, there's no uh, thousands in attendance. It's just 11 on 11, let's play some football, let's smash into each other. That's the kind of running backs I'm talking about. Addy, are you with me on that kind of running back? I'm with you. All right, so I, I, to, to, to give uh, both you and the listeners a, a fair shot, we're going to cover a rookie that we think has it in him, a breakout running back, and a veteran running back that we think think still has it. So I'll start with my rookie, and I'll, I'll hand it back over to you. Uh, my rookie is Darius Geis. And normally I like to put stats on this. I'm going to drop some stats on you when we break down the AFC North here in just a little bit. But I just love watching Darius Geis game film. He's very athletic, but when it comes time to lay the hits, he lays the hits. He seems like he plays with an attitude. He plays with a swagger. He does not look like the kind of guy who's going to, you know, give up that one yard and take it out of bounds. Now, all these guys will have one thing in common. They'll probably have a little bit shorter careers than a smoother, uh, more polished back, a guy who's not afraid to duck out of bounds or is 
I don't want to say a little bit softer, but just a different kind of player. They're not like a junkyard dog. So my rookie dog is Darius Geis. I just think he's tough. I think he's nasty. I think he'll win over Jay Gruden. And I look for him to have a big 2018. Addy, who is your rookie dog? So, so mine is actually uh, Royce Freeman. I'm, I'm a huge Royce Freeman guy. I have been since uh, about 2016. I've been watching him play uh, out of Oregon. And I'm just a big fan of not only you know him as a as a runner but and but his production at Oregon is absolutely insane his career numbers 947 attempts 5600 yards that's good for 6 yards a carry and 60 rushing touchdowns and then he also added another 79 receptions 814 yards through the air and four receiving touchdowns dude is absolutely insane with with production and you might say, well, it was the Pac, uh, Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever it is, uh, over there on, on the West Coast. And uh, But if, as, you can't argue with that production. And so now he's coming in, he's, gonna, he's on the Broncos, and I fully believe that he will be the RB1 uh, in Denver ahead of D'Angelo Henderson. Um, he, he's very similar, I believe, to C.J. Anderson uh, as a running back, but I I think he'll have some fresher wheels on him, even though he had 947 attempts in college. Um, so he does have the, a little bit of wear and tear, but I think that just makes him a better running back in general. He has the experience to go with the mileage, so he's going to be able to make that easy transition into the NFL and be able to come in year one and year two, come in, and I think he'll be a, a top 20 running back, uh, yeah, at least in year one. Um, you know, for the Denver Broncos. So I really like Royce Freeman. I think he's got it in him. Uh, I don't know about longevity, but I think if you need a guy right now, I think Royce Freeman's your guy. I like that. I've, I've been on Royce Freeman going back to, I want to say January when we had Matt Waldman on. Uh, big fan of him. And I agree. I don't think he's going to have the longest NFL career, but he'll definitely make the most of it. My breakout this year, and it might be, some might say he, he already broke out, but mine's Dalvin Cook. We didn't get to see all of him last year, but I liked everything that I saw of him. I was big on him coming out of Florida State. I had him as my 1.03 in the 2017 rookie drafts. I had him ahead of Christian McCaffrey. I had him ahead of Corey Davis. I didn't, I, I didn't have him ahead of Fournette or Joe Mixon, but I had him right there in that mix. I just... He's not a metrics monster. He just is a football player. There's just something about this guy that says, hey, jump on my back. I'm going to lead you there. And I don't think he was the difference between them, you know, beating the Eagles and making the Super Bowl and potentially winning it. But I think that with that defense, Kirk Cousins, I think you're going to see something really special out of Dalvin Cook this year. So, uh, again, I don't think he's another guy. He's got, you know, shoulder injuries. Um don't want to call him injury prone, but he's missed time going back to high school, you know, especially with his shoulders, and he may have had one or ACL. But it's never going to stop this guy from coming back and playing hard. So I'm going with Dalvin Cook as my breakout. Who is your breakout dog, Addy? So, uh, mine is actually Alex Collins, and that might be a little cliche or maybe chalk for the 2018 season. He seems to be almost this year's Isaiah Crowell, though I feel like a lot of people who were on Isaiah Crowell who also like Collins might be a little bit scared uh, because it might be a, a similar kind of situation. But 
I, I really do like Alex Collins, and I just traded for him uh, from you in the, the GOAT District League. Um, so I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm a huge fan, and I'm very confident in Alex Collins for the 2018 season. And I do believe that he will receive the primary workload for the Ravens. Um, if you look at his stats last year, uh, from week 6 through 17, when he took over the starting job, he finished as the RB11 through those weeks uh, in 2017. And that was, you know, ahead of guys like uh, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, uh, both of whom took over the role for uh, your Dalvin Cook. That was better than Jordan Howard, Devontae Freeman, uh, guys like that just behind Carlos Hyde, Christian McCaffrey, and Kareem Hunt, even though you might say, well, some of that uh, was Kareem Hunt's you know, down weeks. But I think that just speaks to how good of a running back Alex Collins was when he got the starting job. And I believe that that will carry over into 2018. And if you're going to argue that you know Buck Allen or Kenneth Dixon are going to cut into his receiving totals, I will argue that they did last year too because he um, did not have a lot of receiving production uh, through those weeks. Uh, I believe he only saw, what, what did you say, like 30 targets, I believe? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have some when I break down Baltimore here a little bit. Yeah, he only had 36 targets, but he still finished as PPR running back 21. And in non-PPR, he finished as high as 15. And he only had uh, 15 games. You know, he came in late as a late season addition. I think when Kenneth Dixon right. went down with the meniscus tear, they ended up bringing him in for that very reason. And I think he found a solid right. role. Yeah, so he was RB11 when he got the starting role all the way through the rest of the year. He was RB11, and that's in PPR formats. So I'd imagine him probably he probably would be a little bit better in standard, like you said. Um, and so, so I, I'm really excited for him in 2018. I, I, I want to express my confidence in him. Um, and express it to the listeners uh, in Alex Collins that I do believe that he will be the primary workload back, uh, at least in the running game for the Baltimore Ravens. All right. Well, I'm going to go into my veteran dog, and and that is Devonta Freeman. You mentioned him. He suffered a little bit of injury issues last year. He had a, 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 a excuse me a concussion preseason. He had one in the game, I believe, it was against Dallas. And then he had some knee issues. Uh, but that's just who this guy is. He's only 26 years old, just turned 26 back in March. And your average 26-year-old running back of, I don't know, say, uh, whomever, they might be able to play until they're 28, 29 at a, at a very high level. Typically, running backs peak from a fantasy production standpoint about 27, and then it starts going the other way. We may have seen the best of this guy, but that's just because of how he plays. He's he's a nasty runner. He embraces contact probably a little bit too much for his size, but I like Devonta Freeman. I like how he plays the game. He was the number one overall running back in all of fantasy back in 2015. He was top 10 in 2016. I think he finished 13 last year, uh, missed a game with a concussion, and like I said, he had some knee issues, but... I'll, I'll take that guy on my team. He's just tough as nails, and he's a football player. And I like guys like that. So, Addy, bring it home, and then we'll head over to the AFC North. Awesome. Yeah, so so my veteran dog is Jay Ajayi. And if, if you want, you know, maybe not a violent runner, but a hard runner, somebody who's going to fall forward whenever he 
you know, gets wrapped up or somebody who's going to make sure that it's a third and one, he's going to get that third and one. Uh, I think JJ is your guy. And a lot of people might say, well, he's got that degenerative knee issue problem. Hasn't been a problem at all in three years. Um, so I don't, I don't see how we can project it to be a problem when, when it's never been a problem before. Um, so if, if you look at his stats, I said this on the GOAT pod um, when I was on it. And, but just to reiterate, his stats, uh, when he came onto the Eagles last year in only 10 games, he had 112 attempts, 592 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Now, if you project that to a full 16-game season, that's 180 attempts for 947 rushing yards and two uh, rushing touchdowns, which would have been good for RB24 last year. Now you take out LeGarrette Blunt, another violent runner, but you take out LeGarrette Blunt and give his near 200 carries, maybe split up uh, the carries between JJ and Corey Clement. You're talking about it over a 200 carry guy in JJ who only scored two touchdowns last year and he was still an RB2 while he was in, uh, while he was in Philly. And so for 2018, I love Jay Ajayi uh, with his his 5.3 yards per carry might go down, um, but in, in an explosive offense and a very vi- violent and hard runner who's going to get the necessary yards, uh, I believe Jay Ajayi is your guy, and I have full confidence that he will be an RB2, a top 20, potentially top 15 running back in 2018, and I, I do want him on my team, and I have him on my team. Uh, in a couple places, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, and you're definitely not taking offers on him. Well, th- those are our six guys. Um, we'd love to hear yours. You can at me at DFF Memphis on Twitter. You can at Addy at, uh, at AmazeHaze underscore. There's an underscore at the end. Uh, hit us up. I'll be posting out links to the show, whether it's iTunes uh, or the Podbean link since they're new and we're you know still building back up the the, the new feed, but we're going to transition over to the AFC North. This is one of the the tougher divisions in football, but I think it's going to be one of the better fantasy divisions in football this year. Uh, I'm going to let Addy break down Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's Addy's team, if I remember Correct. correctly. <laughs> so I'm just going to jump right into Baltimore. I guess uh, I'll start alphabetically, but not really. Uh, gonna go with Baltimore, and I'll start with the quarterback position. First, there's the uh, the elephant in the room that is Lamar Jackson. Now, I love Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I mentioned him on previous podcasts where that I think with his legs alone, that once he gets the starting job, he'll be worth six to twelve points a game with his legs. I think sixty yards rushing, and then you add in the occasional touchdown. There's twelve points. There's sixty in rushing and. You know, six for a touchdown would make 12, and then whatever he can do with his arm. But I don't think that's going to be this year. I think he's going to get the Pat Mahomes treatment. I think he's going to sit behind Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco will wind up in a new spot next year. But Joe Flacco, for lack of a better term, doesn't suck. In my my Joe Flacco research today, he has never finished worse than QB 26. And the year that he finished QB 26 was 2015, and he missed games due to injury. Outside of that... He's never been worse than QB 24. He's played all 16 games in 9 of 10 seasons, the one being 2015. He scored 200 or more fantasy points in 7 of 10 seasons. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of QB 1 seasons. He's only done that once where he landed inside the top 12. But he's never been out of the top 24. Um, He's a sneaky QB play for me in fantasy. 
Uh, and he's gotten better wide receivers this year. Don't look at the down year last year. I mean, his wide receivers were Brashad Perryman. His best receiver was Mike Wallace. His tight end, Dennis Pitta, he lost in the preseason due to a degenerative hip issue. And he was working with 36-year-old Ben Watson. So uh, they added a lot of pieces to the passing game for him. I'll get to those in just a minute. But if you can find a guy in your league that is convinced that Joe Flacco is heading to the scrap heap, the guy's 33 years old. And if he were to play to 36, 37, even on another team, that's still a, a, a very, very super flex-worthy stash. So see if you can find a Joe Flacco owner that's willing to throw him out and add him to your team. Uh, moving on to the running backs, and I'll spend a little bit less time on Alex Collins because Addy did such a fine job breaking him down. But he was PPR running back 21 last year, and he was standard scoring PPR, I'm sorry, standard scoring running back 16. He had a very solid 4.6 yards per rush. Uh, the one concern that I have is that it is a PPR world. Most leagues are PPR, and he only got one, he only got 36 out of a possible 150 targets from Joe Flacco, that Joe Flacco threw the running backs. Uh, by comparison, Buck Allen had 60 targets, and Danny Woodhead had 39 and 40 games. Maybe they will in incorporate him more into the passing game, but if not, he's going to need to be a very effective runner, and he's going to have to be the proven goal line back. I'll move over to Kenneth Dixon. Uh, his sample size is not a whole lot to draw from. He had a 12-game sample size in 2016 where he rushed for 4.3 yards per rush, which is pretty decent. He had 41 targets, he had 30 receptions, and that was on 258 snaps. Basically, he was targeted one for every six snaps on the field, which is a pretty impressive workload. I don't know what his role is going to be on this team, but I know this. Jim Harbaugh has kept him through injury. He's kept him through suspension. He's They, they didn't draft anybody. And then there's still Buck Allen. Buck Allen had 60 targets last year in the passing game, and I think he's undervalued. What people fail to realize is, is that Buck Allen rushed for almost 600 yards, 591 yards on the ground last year. So uh, while I agree with Addy that I think Collins to start the season is the lead guy, this is a, an offense that last year that produced two RB2s. Uh, Buck Allen was uh, PPR running back 23, and then you had our boy Alex Collins as – PPR 21. So I, th I think that may shift a little bit to where Buck Allen or Dixon winds up as an RB3 and Collins is a little bit closer to like that PPR, you know, 16 to 18 range. But I wouldn't be surprised. But I want to kick it over to the running backs real quick. Uh, excuse me, the wide receivers real quick. And last year, man, this, this, this was a group of uh, a mess. Mike Wallace was their best wide receiver. He finished at 38 last year. And by doing some math, there are approximately 200 targets for wide receivers from last year's uh, passing targets. They brought in Michael Crabtree. They brought in Willie Sneed and John Brown. Those are the veterans that they brought in. And then they drafted two rookies that I'm intrigued by in Jordan Lasley out of USC, I'm sorry, UCLA, and Jaleel Scott out of the University of New Mexico or New Mexico State. Um, I'm not investing in any of them, but if I have them, I'm not selling them. Uh, I, I have this passing game as a hold. So if you have any of the wide receivers, I would definitely 
definitely hang on. Uh, moving on to the tight ends, they invested a very high first-round pick on Hayden Hurst, and then they invested a third-round pick on Mark Andrews. They are definitely looking for Dennis Pitta's replacement in this offense. So I don't know that I'm starting any of them, but if I had to pick one out of the two, I'm picking Hayden Hurst. He's 26 years old. He's already been a performer, a former professional athlete. He played some minor league baseball, and I think they have a role for him, whereas I think Mark Andrews will be more situational. Also, Hayden Hurst is a better blocker, which will get him on the field just a little bit quicker. So, guys, I'm buying in this offense. I'm buying uh, Flacco at his ADP, uh, especially in Superflex. He's only 33. Whether he's with the Ravens next year or not, it's not really the point. I think he'll have a job. He'll be a starter and he can contribute on your Superflex team. I am buying Dixon over Collins simply based on cost. I've gotten Dixon as cheap as a third-round pick, and I'll gladly take that with what I know this offense can do for running backs. And then if you've already had your rookie draft and you've got Hayden Hurst or you have any of these wide receivers, just hold them. Someone's probably going to be pretty valuable. The hard part is, is to say who. If you're already sitting there, hold on to them. And I am selling Collins like I did to my friend Addy, and one of the leagues, man, just based on his ADP. I mean, I called him one of my preseason dudes in the last episode John and I did together in the uh, 2018 Way Too Early Dudes. But I just think you can get a nice return for him. You might be able to get a better piece. And that is uh, my 2018 breakdown of the Ravens. Addy, anything to add before you go on to either Cleveland or Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think I think you hit the, uh, the nail on the head there. Uh, I would like to say with your Joe Flacco take, I think that is it is very accurate. Um, you look at other quarterbacks who, as they got older into their careers, who maybe weren't looked at the same as they were uh, when they were younger. Uh, I'm thinking of guys, you know, like Carson Palmer, who went from being a Bengals star and then he went to Oakland and then revitalized his career in Arizona. Um, you know, guys like that. You know, Joe Flacco is not a good NFL quarterback. He's he's not great. Uh, he's he's pretty average. You know he. And I feel like he's getting this stigma about him in the dynasty community because of Lamar Jackson and because of the struggles last year for the Ravens as a whole, um, especially in the passing offense. That you know Joe Flacco just just isn't a fantasy quarterback. And if you look at uh, you know even even his history, he never really was. So if you take that already depreciated value. Uh, and, and then add Lamar Jackson on, onto that. I think Joe Flacco makes for a quality buy low in Superflex and two QB leagues just to see, you know, potentially what could happen uh, w- with his career uh, should he be cut by the Baltimore Ravens uh, maybe next year or after his contract expires uh, in, at the end of 2019. So I do agree with you on that one. And I do, I am very intrigued by Kenneth Dixon. I think that you are. Very accurate in the point that I would definitely trade a third-round pick for Kenneth Dixon because the upside of a third-round pick um, might definitely not be as high as the upside in Kenneth Dixon. And I think that for all the reasons that you laid out, especially with the fact that he is still on the team and that they haven't drafted anybody, maybe that's a credit to Alex Collins, but I think... You can mess up that much. Exactly. You, you, can, you know, that, that or he's got some uh, pictures of Jim Harbaugh in some compromising <laughs> positions. Maybe I, I don't know. So 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 uh, take us to Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Where are we going first? Uh, so I'll I'll hit Cleveland first, and uh, before we get to my team. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people 
uh, myself included, are very excited for the future of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, hopefully that is um, without uh, whatever uh, Hugh Jackson. Uh, I already forgot his name because he's that irrelevant. But um, hopefully that future is without Hugh Jackson and that they can reach the potential that a lot of us believe that they can with this new offense that they've built and the top 15, maybe potentially even top 10 defense that they had already that they already added to with Denzel Ward if he lives up to that potential. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that passing on Chubb was stupid, but we'll not get into that. This is primarily an offensive show. Uh, so uh, looking at the quarterback position, they they traded for Tyrod Taylor. They traded the third-round pick for him to acquire him from the Buffalo Bills. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, is no schmuck. He's He is a formidable quarterback. He took the nothing roster of the Bills, him and Shady McCoy, and he took them to the playoffs. And I I am a big-time believer that Tyrod Taylor is a much better quarterback than a lot of people believe. And I do believe that he will fight for this job, you know, as long as, as humanly possible. But even if he's playing at a very high level, we know who the backup is behind him, and that's 101 uh, overall Baker Mayfield, uh, who has the college production, has the – uh, the pedigree has the draft capital has everything going in his favor regardless of what you believe uh, about Baker Mayfield with his off-field issues or whatever um, he, I think a lot of people would definitely agree that he is a very talented quarterback a very accurate quarterback and is definitely somebody who could take this Browns organization to the next level and we might have said that a lot of, about a lot of Browns quarterbacks uh, in the past but I do really believe this about Baker Mayfield and even if he doesn't play immediately, if he, if he comes in halfway through the season like Jared Goff, um, I hope that he succeeds in this offense. And I think Todd Haley uh, will be a big credit to that uh, new offensive coordinator from the Steelers, um, who is a, an offensive mind uh, and, and a very successful offensive coordinator. Um, so I do believe that he will coach Tyrod and Baker Mayfield to be the best that they can be. We might see a somewhat, uh, you know, Pat Mahomes, Alex Smith dynamic here. If Tyrod Taylor has this fire under him because of Baker, he doesn't want to lose his job. You know, we could see uh, a career year for Tyrod like we saw from Alex Smith because he doesn't want to lose the job. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I believe, will play at least eight, uh, at least eight games. I think he'll play at least half the season, and then Baker will come in. Uh, so that's the quarterbacks for Cleveland. As for the running backs, uh, they they signed Carlos Hyde in free agency. They already have Duke Johnson, lost Isaiah Crowell, who went on to sign with the New York Jets. And then they drafted Nick Chubb in the second round of the NFL draft. And Nick Chubb was the, uh, the combine darling. If Saquon didn't have the combine that he did, everybody would be talking about Nick Chubb uh, in, in a different light, I believe. Uh, very, very big time college production out of Georgia. Uh, he was my number two running back uh, coming out of college this year, obviously behind, uh, or number three running back, sorry. Number three running back behind Geis and Saquon um, coming out this year. So maybe I don't like the landing spot per se because of the signing of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson is there who could be that slot wide receiver or the guy out of the backfield who will take the majority of the backfield and running back targets, but just looking at uh, just looking at Todd Haley's 
how he uses running backs is, is actually very interesting. If you look at what he did in Pittsburgh, obviously he gave uh, the the heavy workload to Le'Veon Bell uh, over 60, upwards of 70% of the rush attempt market share. But if you look back to his days in Kansas City in 2009 and 2010, um, it was a 40-40 split, essentially. 44-40 uh, split right there uh, between their primary two running backs. And that is definitely something that we could see, I believe, uh, next year between Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. Who the front runner of that is, I'm not too sure. I would believe that it would be Nick Chubb uh, because of the draft capital. Uh, but they've already said that they want to just basically play the hot hands. So that might be a backfield that you're that you kind of want to stay away from, at least until that situation becomes a little bit clear uh, with with who the main guy is and who the the better running back winds up being out of that backfield. Um, I do still like Duke Johnson, and he's a free agent at the end of this. He, or never mind, he signed that that huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. So he just got yeah, that big yeah, he just got paid a couple weeks ago, which made maybe? the. Um, you know that backfield just a little bit muddier um so in terms of of dynasty maybe you want to hold on just to any of those three running backs just to see what happens um if something comes along your way that you you like just a little bit more than the uncertainty of uh, any one of those three pieces then by all means i would i would uh take it i it's not like i'm jumping on it but i would you know take the deal and get away from the uncertainty of the backfield uh, much like the New England Patriots have been for a while. So that's the running backs there. The wide receivers, they Josh Gordon is coming back, regardless of, again, what you believe about uh, his off-field issues and everything like that. The dude's a top-five talented wide receiver uh, in the NFL. We saw that um, five years ago <laughs> when he was the uh, wide receiver one in fantasy football uh, with, with uh, what was it, 1,600 yards and, like, eight touchdowns or something like that, something ridiculous. Yeah, it was. I think it was like double digit. I think it was like sixteen and, and twelve. Yeah, it, might or, have it been. was. It was. I mean, J- Josh Gordon's like one of my faves. Mm-hmm. You know this. Yeah, yeah. So you, with all the talent in the world, if he can get it together for a season, maybe his potential doesn't flourish under Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but if Baker Mayfield does come in and does what he did at Oklahoma, you know, Josh Gordon might be that guy. Um, now, if you look at who Tyrod Taylor's boy might be, that might be Jarvis Landry, uh, who they got through free agency. And uh, he, he's the everybody knows what Jarvis Landry is, so he might be the guy that uh, Tyrod Taylor falls on, much like he did with Charles Clay last year. Um, so he might be good for you know another nearly eighty receptions, ninety receptions, something like that, if Tyrod Taylor plays a significant portion of the season. Um, you know, but Baker Mayfield is a is a very accurate passer, so Jarvis Landry is talented enough to certainly see. A, a decent target share under Baker Mayfield as well. Um, so that is the wide receiver position. I think both are very good uh, assets to have. I think Landry is becoming slowly becoming a value. I think the time to buy was when everybody was like, oh, you know, he went to the Browns. Now what do I do? He's not in Miami anymore. He's not going to get 110 receptions, everything like that. So um, I do believe that he's a, still a solid wide receiver too. He, the ceiling might not be there. Uh, like it was last year, but it was never really there until Jay Cutler came in. Um, so I do believe that he is still a solid wide receiver too. Josh Gordon, I think, is similar to Sammy Watkins in the sense that the potential is there, but we're not really sure if a if he still has it. Um, you know, everybody believes that he still does, but we're not totally sure um, because he wasn't phenomenal when he returned 
uh, at the end of last year. But again, that was the end of last year. This is a whole new year. Um, if he does hit his ceiling, we're talking about a top five wide receiver, like I've already said, but his floor is much lower than, than Jarvis Landry. So take that as you will. Um, if you're a, a risk averse or if you're all right with taking on the risk of Josh Gordon. Uh, finally, with the tight ends, uh, David Njoku is is the guy, and I'm a big David Njoku fan. Um, I don't think we're going to see the best of David Njoku for another couple years, especially with the pieces around him. But as a 22-year-old tight end, um, I, I think all the potential is there. He has the draft pedigree, the talent, the athleticism. He has everything that you want in a tight end, and especially for a dynasty tight end that I wouldn't recommend buying right now, but I think in season – when we see him struggling because of all of the different pieces that are around him, uh, should he fall in the totem pole in the target share, I think that David Njoku is going to be a premier buy low tight end option that you will have to that you will have to sit on. But I think the the potential is there for uh, a very very elite tight end uh, in a couple years. So that's at least the Browns situation. I felt like I talked about them, but there's so many offensive pieces that it's just. Hard not to talk about every single one in depth because, um, you know, they're, they're, they're all in the top 100 for Dynasty ADP, which is very interesting. That was the point <laughs> I was getting ready to make. Yeah, that was the that was the point I was getting ready to make is that the, the, the Jets didn't have any players within the top 100 ADP, and the Browns have got like five, never in the day. So, listen, we're going to save the best for last. Obviously, I believe that Pittsburgh's the, the cream of this division, and I, I'm, I know you do too, <laughs> being a fan and all. So I'm just going to buzz through Cincinnati real quick because they're not quite as, – as odd as it sounds to say, they're not as talent-rich right they now as, the, as the, the Browns. So just real quick, we're talking about Andy Dalton. He's going into his eighth season, and Andy Dalton kind of falls in that Joe Flacco category. And – I mentioned this a little bit a couple weeks ago in the AFC East breakdown, but uh, Andy Dalton is a fine NFL quarterback. You don't have to watch it, just like Blake Bortles. Um, nothing that, that you, you really want to tune in to watch, but in seven seasons, he has never finished worse than QB 18. Never. So in those two QB and Superflex leagues, you're talking about a guy that's a middle-of-the-pack QB2 at the worst. And in his best season in 2013, he was a QB5. And he was setting a pretty good pace in 2015 when he got injured in week 13 and missed the last three games of the year. So he's someone that I'm buying, and he's only 30 years old. And I've heard grumblings that they're going to replace him. Who they need to replace is Marvin Lewis, the head coach. Marvin Lewis is one of the biggest things slowing this team down. And he held down the next guy that I want to talk about, and that's Joe Mixon. Marvin Lewis, going back for the longest time, has this hobby or habit of holding back young people for the sake of being young people. You know, Joe Mixon last year was clearly the most talented running back on this team, and he continued to give so much work to Jeremy Hill. Well, Jeremy Hill's gone. And their director of player personnel, Duke Tobin, made the comment that, you know, Mixon's going to be the bell cow. And they validated that statement by not signing anybody or drafting anybody this past offseason. Right now, the majority of the running back work is going to go to Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, and Brian Hill, who they brought in uh, as a cut from the Atlanta Falcons, who was drafted there last year in the sixth round. Uh, you just... 
other little things. He lost a little bit of weight, which is not a big deal, but he was up at 240. He's down to 227. Uh, if you look at his player profiler card at playerprofiler.com, his comp is Ezekiel Elliott. The difference is, is to me, he's got much better hands. I do think Giovanni Bernard will still be involved. I think he'll still be a running back 2-3 on that borderline just because he is a good pass catcher, and I think he's someone that Andy Dalton in the offense has faith in. So I think you, you could have both. I would obviously much rather have Mixon, but if I had Giovanni Bernard in there and I had an injury or needed a bye week fill-in, I, I think he'll have his moments. As far as the wide receiver core, A.J. Green, my note I wrote down on him is he's good. If you didn't know that, Addy will validate that for me. He's good at football. <laughs> in his career, he's going into his eighth season. He averages, across his first seven, 136 targets, 80 catches, 1,173 yards, and eight touchdowns. He's only going to be 30 in July, and all of a sudden for guys like himself and Julio Jones, this has become like a death sentence. And like their value is, I don't want to say plummeting, but... I've seen A.J. Green go as late as the third round in startups, and I won't tell Addy which ones because he'll give those guys an earful. But guess what? In 2016, Jordy Nelson was the wide receiver two overall in all of fantasy that year at age 31. So I think A.J. Green can still play. I think he can play at an elite level for at least two more years, and then he can have two very solid serviceable years thereafter, you're looking at an asset that's going to produce for a while. So if you have a, a trepidatious owner, you can scoop him up due. My last wide receiver to talk about, and I know there's some others that people might be intrigued by, but for me it's John Ross. He was their first-round pick last year. Um, Pro Football Focus called him one of the best slant runners in that 2017 class. That's a very useful route, especially for a guy with his skill set. And his player profiler comp was Deshaun Jackson. So I'm, I'm putting John Ross down as a best ball must. He's someone that I'm uh, stashing on the back end. And just in the, the sake of time, I'll talk about Tyler Eifert. Just copy and paste what I said about Jordan Reed. The tight end position is just such a hot dumpster fire that – a guy like Tyler Eifert, if he actually makes it into camp healthy and can play games, I, I, I just see good things. I guess I'm always going to hang my hat on that 13-touchdown season. But this is a team devoid of real red zone weapons outside of A.J. Green. And I think if you're an A.J. Green owner, you want to see Tyler Eifert back out there. So that's my quick rundown of the 2018 Bengals. Anything you want to add about A.J. Green or any Bengal in general, Addy, before you bring us home with the Steelers? <laughs> I do like Joe Mixon. I think he has the potential to be a three-down back and a top-ten running back in fantasy. Uh, I believe his ADP has shot up a little bit because everybody seems to be believing that. Um, so you might not get him for a, a value that you might like um, because his, his potential is already baked into that. Um, but I do like Joe Mixon for sure for the right price. Everybody can be had and be moved for the right price. Um, and then AJ Green is phenomenal. Uh, he is the forgotten. Uh, the I guess now it's it's the top five, the big five. If you add in DeAndre Hopkins, um, but it was like that last year too. If you wanted to add in Mike Evans, not that Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins were will be the same. Uh, but AJ Green has been there. He's been there every single year since 2011 minus two years of injury and even the most recent year of injury he was a top three wide receiver before he got hurt he had almost a thousand yards in 10 games 
And um, so he, he's just – he's so phenomenal. If you own A.J. Green, do not trade him because unless if you are rebuilding or trying to get unless you're trading very, very young or trading them to Randy, then you will never, ever, ever, ever get anywhere close to value um, that he offers to your team as a as a hold rather than a trade piece because um, nobody ever wants a 30-year-old wide receiver who has a, maybe a little bit of an injury history playing with a terrible quarterback uh, playing in a terrible offense and blah 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 but then at the end of the year he'll be perfectly fine when he has 1310 so um, that's right so that's all I have to say about AJ, AJ Green well speaking of aging wide receivers there's a 30 year old wide receiver in Pittsburgh I'm dying to hear about uh, Antonio Brown <laughs> never heard of him well no, I'm, I'm if, if you've never heard of him, then you uh, then you obviously have not been attached to football. It's one of my worst. It's one of my worst jokes. <laughs> that never heard of him. So anyway, give us uh, give us some Pittsburgh Steelers uh, love to bring this thing home. Yeah. So before, well, I guess we'll go in in sequential order. We'll start with the quarterback first before I get into never heard of Antonio Brown, um, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, very up and down, inconsistent quarterback. Uh, everybody knows that he plays much better at home than he does on the road. Uh, and he's phenomenal to watch, uh, even though if a lot, of, again, a lot of people don't really like his off the field attitude. His, uh, you know, you know, he he might have done something when he was young in a bathroom. Nobody really knows. Um, but make of that what you will. He is still a. Fantastic quarterback. I, I talk with people all the time saying that he is, um, if right now he is a top five quarterback in the league. Um, not saying that he's a top five dynasty quarterback or a fantasy football quarterback, but as an NFL quarterback, he's a top five NFL quarterback. Um, and so if you have him uh, as a dynasty owner in Superflex, I don't think you, you really can move him. Um, he'll be a better quarterback. QB two than a QB one because of his inconsistencies, but the upside is still there. He can still potentially throw 350 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you know, two of which will go to Antonio Brown, and then another one will go to Le'Veon and everything like that. So I do still have confidence in Big Ben. It's just the inconsistencies are the problem for me there um, as a weekly starter, uh, especially in one QB leagues like that. Um, moving on to the the running back position, another guy that you might not have heard of, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, He's he is good. hashtag very good, and I have no problems owning him whatsoever. I am not worried that he will might be on another team next year. Um, the re- most recent reports have been saying that he has made significant progress with the Pittsburgh Steelers in a um, in a contract in resigning with the Steelers. So I'm, I'm confident in that. He wants 15 million, which I don't understand because we offered him four for 60 last year, which if you do the math is 15 million a year. So I'm not really sure how they're off right now so far. So good at football, not good at math. <laughs> Got it. But um, so if if you have Le'Veon, you are in the clear. Uh, the interesting thing is what's behind Le'Veon. James Conner would be the primary back should anything happen to Le'Veon. Uh, kid out of pit, sophomore uh, season coming up here. And he is a, a different back than Le'Veon. He's more of a bruiser. Uh, than he is a, a pass catcher and the, the glider that Le'Veon is. Uh, I, I didn't see enough of him last year, and I didn't see enough out of him to really instill confidence that we'll, we would be okay if we lose Le'Veon. Of course, we were not going to 
you know, mash the production. But I, I am nervous. He's not D'Angelo Williams, at least not what I've seen. Um, so if, if you have him thinking that if something happens to Le'Veon, he'll, James Conner will just pick up what D'Angelo Williams did, I don't think that'll happen, um, at least not yet. I didn't see enough. So he, he might become that. I'm not sure. The interesting thing is that they drafted Jalen Samuels, who is a hybrid-type player. Um, some people have him categorized as a tight end uh, or a running back. He can play a whole bunch of positions. He's a really interesting player. If you've never heard of him or never watched him play, I would suggest just looking him up on YouTube. He's actually really fun to watch. Um, so I- I'm very intrigued not only why they drafted him, maybe as a, a safe net against not being able to re-sign Le'Veon, uh, but I am very interested to see how they utilize him uh, in the offense. I don't know if he'll see many reps as a rookie this year. Usually they don't. Um, the Steelers don't like to use uh, rookies if they don't have to. Um, so I'm just very interested to see what their plan is for Jalen Samuel, if they have one other than just being a special teams or maybe a gadgety type player uh, in a few plays here and there. Um Moving on to the wide receiver position, we already mentioned the never heard of, again, Antonio Brown, who, if he didn't get hurt, would have been wide receiver one uh, again in fantasy football and only uh, lost to DeAndre Hopkins for the wide receiver one overall in 2017 by a point, <laughs> despite missing uh, and not playing two more games than uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So that just speaks to how amazing Antonio Brown is. He's amazing to watch as a Steelers fan. It's absolutely, uh, you know, it's breathtaking the kind of things that he can do. And he is uh, Big Ben's go to guy. It's third and 13. Guess who he's throwing to? Antonio Brown's going to find a hole and he's going to get an extra 15 yards after the catch. And all of a sudden we'll be in field goal position after being third and uh, 13 on the uh, the other side of the field. It, it, if you have Antonio Brown, please don't sell him. Uh, he's going to be great for another three years. Um, <laughs> that's that's all I can say about Antonio Brown. The interesting piece in this offense, especially in the dynasty community, is Juju Smith-Schuster. What to do with Juju Smith-Schuster? And I'm selling him. I am selling him so high, it's not even funny uh, how quickly I would sell him because I just... He's, he's phenomenal. As a Steelers fan, I love him. I love him so much. Dude just signed a $100,000 uh, sponsorship for gaming because uh, he's a huge Fortnite player. And uh, he's he's a phenomenal personality and talent. And I love everything about him. I just don't like him as a fantasy asset. I don't. It's not that he's not good. It's just the Steelers' offense. If you look at Big Ben's history with wide receiver twos, here are his wide receiver two averages for the year. 93 targets, 56 receptions. 784 yards and four and a half on average four to five touchdowns per year that is on average the wide receiver 39 in fantasy guess where uh guess where juju smith schuster is currently being taken in adp right now in redraft uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Guess, 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 guess. I was gonna say like, like, like wide receiver, like fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Maybe? So in redraft, I don't know what number he is in terms of wide receiver, but in redraft, he's going in the middle of the fourth, ahead of Alshon, Allen Robinson, Demarius Thomas, Larry Fitzgerald, Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, guys like that. The hype is absolutely insane. That's just redraft. It's that's very now, real for for dynasty. 
you know, it's different because the dude is 22 years old and he's coming off of a, a wide receiver two season. So I believe he is being taken, and I don't actually have the number right in front of me. Hold on, I can look it up here and talk while I'm doing it. But um, he, he's being valued very, very high, and a lot of people are very, very high on him as a dynasty asset. And my problem with him is that I don't think he will touch not touch. I think he'll come close, but I don't think he'll be a top 25 wide receiver for the next three years, uh, at least two, because A, he's going to be the wide receiver two behind Antonio Brown playing with Big Ben, and we see the history between Big Ben and, and AB, and we know what the wide receiver two does behind both of them, and we're not talking about some nobody wide receiver twos. We're talking about, you know, AB when he was behind Mike Wallace. We're talking about... Um, Mike Wallace when he was, or and Emmanuel Sanders when he was behind Mike Wallace. We are talking about Mike Wallace when he was behind Heinz Ward. These these are these are premier guys. That they're not nobodies, and so I I don't think it's wrong to compare Juju to him, to any of them, uh, in in that sense. And so I'm just at the the price that he's worth right now. Uh, currently, the wide receiver fifteen. <laughs> Like you, like you said, so that was actually really good. That, that was a that was a pure guess. Yeah, so that was good. So he is the wide receiver fifteen right now, which is absolutely bonkers. So if you can sell for anything close to that, at least as a top twenty wide receiver in dynasty, I do it in a heartbeat because um, you can sell now, reap the rewards now, and then buy him back in two years when he's um, being talked about as a disappointment. Wait, do you guys remember when Juju was a top 20 wide receiver in his rookie year? Now what happened to him? You know, kind of thing. So so that's my take on Juju Smith-Schuster. Argue with me is I will not uh, deviate from that opinion. Um, so sell now, buy in the future when he's disappointing because he will not live up to his wide receiver 15 price in Dynasty and might not even be a top 25 wide receiver. That's just me. Um so that that's basically the the premier wide receivers. I'm not really worried about anybody behind um, both of them. They got rid of Martavis Bryant, so it's kind of whatever. Um, the tight end position, they have Jesse James and they have Vance McDonald. It's really interesting. Um, historically, the tight end position hasn't been all too fantasy relevant under Big Ben. Uh, you know, it was, it was Heath Miller who is more of a, a blocking and traditional Jason Witten type uh, tight end. So he was good for maybe like three catches for 40 yards he will get that crucial first down might have you know five touchdowns at the end of the year that was Heath Miller and so that that um, has kind of translated into Jesse James's game Um, he might have you know a couple explosive games uh, where he catches a touchdown or two on the goal line something like that because they Ben does like to throw to the tight end position inside the five Um, so and he's they're going to be massively unpredictable uh, on a weekly basis for fantasy, I think he's a better best ball or, or DFS play uh, than anything. Jesse James. Um, Vance McDonald has received a lot of hype, and I don't really understand why. The dude is an athlete, but he's never really shown anything. But he had 16 targets in one of the playoff games, and now all of a sudden everybody thinks that he's a massive tight end by low. And I just really don't understand it given the production that the Steelers have had historically with the tight ends. And I don't think that he's going to be he might beat his ADP or whatever his value is right now, but I don't think he's going to be anything spectacular. I don't see him as a top 15 fantasy tight end. Um, and like I said, he'll be massively unpredictable uh, like Jesse James on a weekly basis. So have fun trying to predict that. 
and he might just look really, really nice as a roster stash. As oh, I, well, I got Vance McDonald too, so that's kind of how I see Jesse James and Vance McDonald, um, in in that Steelers offense. So that's the reason why they're going to win the division, and that's the reason why they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year and beat the Eagles, Pennsylvania. <laughs> wow, and 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 all Pennsylvania. It'll be a Beaver Super Stadium. Bowl. Well, listen, that's going to be is, the fun part. I want them to do that. Honestly, do it. You know how fun that would be if they did that? I, for Pennsylvania residents, it, it would be like fantastic. 100,000 people <laughs> in that stadium. Half of them are Steelers fans. Half of them are Eagles fans. <laughs> well, I'm I, I not ready to, to, to send them to Beaver Stadium yet. <laughs> but, Addy, I do want to thank you. I do want to thank you for coming on. I do want to make sure that the listener knows they can find you on Twitter at AmazeHaze underscore. They can find all your amazing work, uh, play on words there, uh, all your really, really good work on ffstatistics.com. Anything that I'm missing out there, Adam? Uh, nope, that's basically it, ffstatistics.com. You can check out the DLF ADP app uh, that I did with Ryan using DLF's ADP. Um, and there's a lot of a different analysis and stuff on there. Uh, in terms of ADP, you can look at price valuations and, and how they fluctuate by position, everything like that. It's all, it's all basically a similar analysis as what's on FF Statistics uh, just with ADP. So that's dlfadp.site backslash app. It's in my Twitter bio. So uh, as long as you have Hayes underscore, uh, you can message me on there if you have any questions, You know, if you want to talk about Excel or, or uh, have any questions about any of the sites, stuff like that. Uh, I'm, I'm always available. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for having on. Remember, guys, this is the new show feed. If you're not hearing this on July 4th, it's because you're not following the new show feed. So uh, I'll continue to post that on my Twitter handle, on the show's Twitter handle. But again, can't thank Addy enough. Look for a bonus episode later this week, maybe even on Saturday, with Kevin Wheeler of Pyromaniacs and NFLMock.com. He's going to come on and do a little best ball special with me. This one ran a little long, but I think it was all good information. Make sure you're checking out Addy. Make sure you're checking out Fortnite. Uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll have my, my son teach me. But thanks for listening, and everybody have a great week.